Yes. Um, I am going to be talking about um, God's wisdom as opposed to man's um, wisdom. Because here's the thing, right? We are to be in the world, but we are not to think as the world actually thinks. And this is that whole point of thinking better, living better. You can't think the same way as you've always thought and expect to get something different in life. Just not going to work. Um, and this passage of scripture is wonderful in um, outlining that. So verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, um, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the clever of the clever I will set aside. So I want to, you know what, I'm going to take this verse by verse. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Right, some of you have probably got the message of the cross, but I like this. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. What does it mean, the word of the cross? So the cross was a historical event that Jesus Christ died on the cross, right, to save mankind. But here's the thing. It's different from every other event that has occurred in history. Because this event, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, still speaks to people today. That's what this literally says in the original language. This is why I love the NASB. Someone would say, well, the message of the cross, you know, is he saying, is that literal? Is, it, is that a figurative statement? No, it's literal. For the word of the cross is foolishness. So the fact that a Messiah died on the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So to those, if you're perishing, right, you have a certain timeline. So if you're not saved, if you're not saved, right, you are perishing right now. It doesn't mean that you are going to perish. If I buy yogurt, and I say I do have to check that little bit of Greek yogurt in the refrigerator so it doesn't perish, but if I buy yogurt, as soon as I put it in my refrigerator, it's perishing. That's why there's a lot of food drives that are going on now. What they will ask you, bring your imperishable items, canned goods, right? Canned goods. I tell you, my my parents were old enough to be my grandparents, so they were in the Second World War. Um, because they were in the Second World War, there was rationing. Believe me, this was a time during the war where it was tough to have 
three square meals in England, not now, they eat too much. Now, but back then, um, it was tough. And we had a pantry, which was like a big walk-in closet that was filled all the time with tin goods. There were tin goods in that pantry <laughs> that were there since I were a, was a baby. I was still there when I left the house, right? Imperishables, safety, right? So to those who are perishing, someone who is perishing is someone that doesn't know God. Until you know God, you are perishing. A baby is perishing, right? So the word of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why don't people pick up a book and just, just understand this message? Because this message, this word of the cross, is not a message that you can understand without God enabling you to understand. I guarantee you, if you have never, ever, ever had any lessons in Mandarin, you cannot go to China and have someone speak Mandarin to you and you'll be able to understand. You can't understand. And it's the same way with this. For it is written, right, it's quoting, um, it's quoting Isaiah, but it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the clever of the and the cleverness of the clever, I will set aside. So God is not going by understanding in this message. If he were, and he was going by the way we know things in this world, Jesus would have come down on a chariot of fire. He wouldn't even have been born in this world. So I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message priests to save those who believe. So in Greek comedy, the hero was someone who initially looked like a fool. Right. It was someone who initially looked like a fool. It's kind of a little bit like in Westerns. A lot of Westerns are, are based on the fact that the hero in the course of the Western, and not even Western, like in terms of uh, cowboys, I'm even going to say Western movies, right, is that the hero is someone at some point in time, who really is um, uh, seen to be um, the weaker person or, or seems to have been defeated, right? And kind of comes back, right? If you watch a James, those old, especially the older James Bond movies, Sean Connery, you know, he's tied up here, he's, he's, he's being this. Uh, there, he's captured here, he's captured there, but always kind of escapes. And this is what he's talking about Jesus. What, what am I doing here? I am expositing or explaining 
the correct way you ought to think about power and wisdom. Really, this is the correct way you are to think about power and wisdom. Divine wisdom is very, very, very different. It's not about power. It's not about someone's intellect. It's not about someone's money or all of that. It's essentially about dependence upon God. So, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for a sign. Let's see it. Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block because they want empirical evidence and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because of the foolishness of God is wiser men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, so in Greek comedy, as I said, the 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 person who seemed to be the fool ended up being the hero. And the person who proclaimed wisdom, look at me, ended up being the person who would be defeated in the end, right? And this is what God is actually saying. He's actually saying that the people who are trusting in God, not in their own wisdom, not in their own resources, are the ones who are going to be victorious. The ones who are acting crafty, who, oh, I can do this myself. These are the ones who are going to be defeated. So if something makes sense and seems like a good idea, is what you have to ask yourself. Is it a God idea? Not is it a good idea? It seemed like a good idea for David to number the men, right? That seemed like a good idea. God's wisdom is very different. Come on, let's face it. Most of us, if the Apostle Paul or Saul of Tarsus would have done uh, all of that, afflicted all of that chaos on the church, none of us would have used him because that's man's wisdom. Let's get rid of him. Let us get rid of him. None of us would have used Peter. Let's get a guy that doesn't choke in the face of adversity. None of us would have used Gideon. Gideon was there hiding from the Midianites. Hiding, right, when God came to him. Oh, man, mighty man of valor. And had him whittled down a 30,000 army down to 300. This is about thinking better and living better because we've all really, the reason why we are so defeated is because we've lived based on what we see, based on what we feel, based on all of that. And you know, 
what the enemy has done. He has trained us to live by our senses. Uh, you know what? If I do this, they'll respond this way. But when you are living according to God's wisdom, which is not conventional wisdom, it's divine wisdom, the way up is down. And the way down is up. See, in, in, in God's, in the world, a lot of times people do think arrogance and bragging is power. It's not. In God's wisdom, the way up is down. And the way down is up. Talked a little bit about uh, arrogance last night, but the people who go down are the arrogant ones. You know, I remember there's a guy called Dennis Kozlowski. That name may not mean anything to people, but it was the CEO of Tyco, but this may mean something to you. People were outraged because this guy had a $6,000 trash can bin and a $1,500 uh, uh, shower curtain and was using Tyco's IRA money, uh, employee money, as his own personal uh, <clears throat> piggy bank. And he had a 40th birthday for his wife in Sardinia, and it was a toga party, and he had hired, <laughs> I mean, when they showed this for the jury, I burst out laughing, because it was so outrageous. But this is man's wisdom to do things like that. It's like, look at me, putting on a show for man. Here's what God does. God's the one that brings you to the front. God's the one that raises you up. God is the one that exalts people. When it's yourself, anyone can take you down. When it's God, they never can. Because scripture, because Jesus humbled himself, scripture says, God now has so highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. See, Jesus did not give that to himself, but that's the problem with the world. We want to give that to ourselves. So really, it is about waiting on God. Why do we make mistakes? Because we don't really trust this God thing. If I wait on him, I'll be disappointed. Here's what you're going to be disappointed. When you try not to wait on him, when you try to circumvent the process, and go by your own wisdom, right? When you try and say, you know what? I'm not gonna wait. Abraham didn't wanna wait on God. When God gives you a promise, it's always, always going to come to pass. I call this the wisdom of the cross because God uses this cross as divine wisdom, and is the thing as well that makes it so supernatural. You could never ever come to know Christ without God enabling you. Could never, and that's supernatural. It's very important. You cannot have a, you cannot have your faith predicated on this supernatural event, and then you live naturally. No, you are supposed to live supernaturally. You are, 
you cannot have this supernatural event that is still speaking now. I don't know how God does it. Way beyond my pay grade. But this cross is still speaking to people. It is still speaking to people. And that's why he says this word of the cross is the most powerful event. God is still speaking. Here's what prevents you from hearing is when you have this intent to go it your own way. Scripture says that there's many plans in the heart of man, but the Lord's purpose prevails. If you're all beat up and nothing seems to be working, it's because you're the one that's blocking it from working. This cross works, really. And what you've got to say is this. Um, have I truly given up on doing it my way? Clearly, we know that none of the disciples would have chosen the way of the cross for Messiah to go, right? I mean, Peter even stopped him. Right? No, that won't happen to you. And even after it happened, they still didn't understand what had happened because they still had their own way in their heart. When Peter denied Jesus, he had his own way in his heart, thinking, this is the way it should have gone. Many of us, right, things have not changed for us because we don't have this divine way in our hearts. We still have this conventional wisdom. We still have the way that we're most comfortable with. But believe me, don't think that the way that you are acquainted with ever think that that is comfortable. If it causes you to diverge away from God, which it does, you have got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, really. And then you'll eventually, eventually be comfortable. And no, that's not double talk. Think about it. It makes sense. You, but you've got to get used to that. Here's an example. Go into the gym. You're, you're achy and you first go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You get comfortable with eventually being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then you eventually, when you're used to it, become comfortable, Right? And it's the same way now with spiritual discipline. I just gave an example of physical discipline. And look what it says, what scripture says about spiritual discipline, right? Go there. First Timothy, I believe, six. Um, where are we? Um, Oh, so, um, but godliness actually is a means of great gain. No, no. Um, um, yep, so 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable 
in order to ultimately become truly comfortable in the real sense of the word. We're going to do some prayer. Lord God, give me the grace to start thinking according to your divine wisdom. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, we praise your holy name. Father, we pray that you will give us the grace to start thinking, Lord God, according to your divine wisdom. Give us the grace to start thinking according to your divine wisdom. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, give us the grace to die so that we can live. Hey, you want divine wisdom. This is the way it works. You die to self so that you can live to God. Why do you die to self? Because there's no fulfillment in living for yourself. We sin self-centered people. They're miserable. There's no fulfillment. They are miserable. But people that have died to self so that they can live to God are joyous. Father, Lord God, give us the grace to die to self so that we can live for you, Father, Lord God. We ask in Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, we praise your holy name, Lord God. Father, we pray that you will give us the grace to die to self, Lord God, so that we can live for you, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, give us that grace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, give me the grace, Lord God, the grace to believe in you, Father, Lord God that will totally transform my life, that will totally transform my life. We know that God can take someone and cause that person who had this destructive relationship with him, and there's nobody who had more, more of a destructive relationship than the Apostle Paul. Uh, to, and take him to have the most constructive relationship with him. So Saul had a destructive one. Paul had a constructive one. In other words, regardless of your situation, God can turn it around. God is in the turn around business. Look, when Peter asked, oh, of this blind man, who is which one of his parents sinned, Jesus said, None of them. Well, we've all sinned. Everybody's sinned. So that's a very, very nebulous question. But Jesus said, said, which of them? Jesus answered him and he said, none, but so the Lord can be glorified. So if you've got a big problem, there's a big potential for a miracle with God. So Lord God, give me the grace to believe so that Whatever I am facing, whatever I'm going through, Father, Lord God, that you, my big God, can do a big miracle in my life. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise your holy name. Father, I know I serve a big God. Give me the grace to believe 
Father, Lord God, not according to conventional wisdom, not according to this wisdom of this world, Lord God, but according, Father, Lord God, to your divine wisdom, Lord God, and give me the grace to believe, Lord God, that I have a big God, Lord God, who can do a big turnaround in my life, Lord God. I expect it. I await it. I will come and give testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to um, do the uh, caring call before Sandy makes the uh, announcement. Um, and this is um, the, um, the caring call. You don't know the Lord. Then you can know him right now. It's very simple. Repeat after me. Father Lord, I know I am a sinner. I know you shed your precious blood so that I might be saved, Lord God. And your the cross, Lord God, still speaks to me, Father Lord God. So I'm listening and I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior, Lord God. Father, I want to function according to your Lord God, not the wisdom according to this world that leads to nothing, but according to your wisdom, Father, give me the grace, Lord God, to renew my mind, Father, Lord God, and renew my life, Father, Lord God, Jesus Christ, and become all that you have called me to be. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.